0: everyone and welcome to the Backmarkers F1 show and we're really happy to start the show off and announce a new sponsor for the podcast this season. The Backmarkers F1 show is sponsored by the GP Box. Now the GP Box is a motorsport marketplace selling excellent F1 and motorsport merchandise including F1 gifts, memorabilia, art and even some F1 car parts. Really cool stuff. So we're really excited to be partnering with them this season. They're going to be giving us some exclusive giveaways, promo codes, and things like that. And just on promo codes, if you check the description of this video, we sent out three promo codes to those specific links that you can use down below in the video.
1: (laughs) They do this. (laughs) We're we're becoming one of those people now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the next thing will be a fancy animation to come and with an arrow that points down exactly. to the links, <laughs> and you can check it out. There's some beautiful phone cases, beautiful artwork. Some that we're actually going to be looking at to get in yeah. our studio.
1: I have. I'm just about to actually order mine. I finally picked it out because there's so many options on there. I kept on scrolling through for like three. Yeah. Like I would look at it at a different times trying to pick out a phone case I wanted. Finally decided on one, so nice. I'm just about to order it. So we've got a lot of options on there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've ordered from this website before I, a couple months ago. We showed you the racing gloves I got from the GP box. So it's an excellent website. We're, we're really excited to partner with a, a great site like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also going to be doing a phone case giveaway. They've been uh, ex- oh, excuse me, they've been nice enough to provide us with a phone case, a motorsport phone case that we'll be giving away before. Uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix, so roughly around at the end of the month. So we're going to be coming out on our Twitter with details on how to enter that contest. So stay tuned in the next week or so when we're going to announce that. So uh, get that sponsor read out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's it. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's pretty much it. So
0: looking forward to that partnership. So stay tuned to our channel. There's going to be a lot of great things coming from the GP Box and the Backmarkers F1 show. So today, we're just going to be recapping the two weeks of testing, Um, pretty short testing this season, of course, with only being six days, Um, a lot less than it was in the last couple of years. So today, we'll just be talking about the winners and losers of winter Mm -hmm. testing in 2020 and a lot of interesting storylines, very interesting six days of testing, Um, very nice to have full coverage of it on Sky Sports F1 and F1 TV, you know, over... Pretty much eight hours between the two yeah, sessions. It's
1: a big broadcast in terms—if you think about it—in terms of that circumstances, it's not like you know a sports game where they're only going for two to three hours. It's all day at all times coverage. So
0: yeah, exactly. It's a lot. I'm sure that they had a lot of uh, different crews out there working and, and def- stuff like that. They definitely circulated a lot of commentators in and out mm-hmm. um, of the commentary box, which was good. So we're going to kind of briefly touch on each team. We're not going to get too much into the lap times, obviously. We made that mistake a little bit last year with uh, Ferrari, looking too much into the lap times. Mm-hmm. So this will be just more of looking at some of the more interesting kind of data that we've seen from testing and what we can kind of draw from each team. Um, so I guess I'll start with the, the winners of, of winter testing. And, and, and I'll share mine, and then you can also share yours. But number one, obviously, Mercedes. Mercedes oh, were sure. big winners um, in, in winter testing in 2020. And what's new, really? I mean, they've been dominating the last six years. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're going to go on to dominate for a seventh year as well. But in particular, this year in testing, obviously, the, the main story being the DAS system, the yep. dual-axis steering that really shocked everybody um, on day two in week one. And what was interesting is that it was such a big storyline when it came out. Uh, obviously, if you guys haven't seen it, the, the almost removable steering wheel
1: pretty cool. On the Mercedes, yeah.
0: We have that in our road cars, but it just doesn't do the same thing.
1: It's, it's something that you see you know, when you watch Batman as a kid that he would do with to, to make <laughs> yeah. his Batmobile work. It's kind of like that.
0: A little bit. You see like Ferrari, like red goes faster, yeah. Mercedes says DAS, DAS yeah. goes faster. Um, and DAS was very good for yes. them, right? Nailed it. Yeah. So that joke went over a lot of people's heads on Twitter, so... Okay. I'm, I'm glad you got that. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it was a big talking point. So, just to basically explain it, I'm sure you guys have all seen the technical uh, uh, explanation of it. It basically changes the toe angle of the car. So, on the straights, you saw Valtteri and Lewis pulling the wheel, which then puts the toe in, making the tires more straight on the straights. It helps with straight line speed. It also, able to help with tire wear and front tire temperatures as well. And then going into the corners, they go more a little bit toe out when they push the wheel back in that helps a little bit more with aerodynamics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of questions in terms of legality, but I think that the FIA deemed that it was legal because it's not necessarily a change to the suspension. It's the steering. So it all falls under different sporting regulations. So very confusing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not 100% clear as to when and how Mercedes are going to use it throughout the season because we saw in week two, all the DAS talk kind of really died down.
1: Yeah, I, I've i been trying to... Uh, like view glimpses of them using it in all the in a lot of the test footage that i've seen and they don't use it like in almost every lap that they're going around you know it's something that they pull out every once in a while to just try out it seems
0: yeah if i had to guess or or assume i think they're going to use it mainly for qualifying laps yeah um being able to change the toe of the car i think will help mostly uh in the qualifying laps safety car restarts as well um if you can help to to align you know go toe in a little bit more or toe out And to maintain tire temperatures maybe during a safety car restart, but we're not exactly sure. And like you said, they weren't using it like every single lap because Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty complicated, too, for the driver if you were supposed to do that every single lap. Oh, for sure. And the other problem is, too, is like, let's say a street street circuit like Monaco, for example, where there aren't really any straights, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really think that you're going to use it, Mm -hmm. so... Still, still yet to be determined where and when and how much they're actually going to use it. But I think that their rear suspension setup, moving that wishbone farther back that we saw in some of the pictures in the pit lane, I think is more of a game changer than uh, than this whole DAS system. But nonetheless, the innovation was pretty incredible from Mercedes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember us talking about it as soon as we saw it, and a lot of teams were saying that it's going to take you know just you know six months to a year for them to develop a system like that on their own. Because right. You know, who, lo- who knows how long Mercedes has been, you know, even started this project and for it to come to happen now, it could have been years ago that they looked into it.
0: Yeah, I think that Valtteri said it was about a year that they've yeah. been looking at it. So that's why it's going to be legal because they've been talking with the FIA throughout the whole process. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't really have any questions on, uh, on the legality of it because it seems like they've got all that, all those boxes covered. Yeah. Um, so getting back to Mercedes and testing, they did set the fastest lap. It was a 115 seven, three, two from Valtteri Bottas. This was on day three of week one set on the C five tire, which was a very quick lap. Um, very, very good lap indeed as well. And Mercedes led all the teams in terms of lap count. They did 903 total laps, um, throughout the six days of testing, which, which is again, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. One concern, though, for Mercedes, and it's also for Mercedes customer teams, is the engine reliability. We oh, saw, really? Yeah, we saw Williams had about four engine failures, um, oil pressure issues, not not engine failures, but engine issues, a lot of oil pressure issues with Williams, and then Lewis Hamilton, I believe, on day four or five, had his engine basically go into a fail-safe mode and just shut off, huh. um, because it, it, the engine just felt like it was about to fail, so it just shuts off automatically. So they had another issue there. Um, Valtteri had an issue, I believe it was either day two or three of week one um, that had to do with the battery system. So I don't think it was necessarily engine related, but just a couple of hiccups. So if there's any sort of chink in the armor, Mercedes, it seems like it might be in the reliability.
1: Hmm. I mean, that could be a big one because they got a lot of their points for finishing. You know, had, having both their drivers finish every single race last year. Well, not every single race, but almost, but close to it. Um, So that could be a big thing going into this season uh, with Mercedes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a concern, right? They've been the most reliable team in the last six years in this turbo era. Mm -hmm. Um, But to have that many sort of failures and issues in the just six days of testing is definitely a concern for Mercedes. Other than that, smooth running for them. Again, led with the most laps. Impressive lap times. Like you mentioned before we went on the air, they didn't do like crazy lap times after the first week. I think that... The second week, they were going more for, um, you know, testing out long runs and race pace, whereas the week one, they kind of did more performance-related mm-hmm. stuff and testing out the DAS and different things like that. So Mercedes, definitely one of the winners of winter testing, for sure. Um, another team that really impressed me is uh, the pink Mercedes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the The nicknames that have been going around, Tracing Point was probably <laughs> one of my favorites. Um and that we're, of course, talking about Racing Point. And it's not necessarily a, a direct carbon copy of the Mercedes, but it is very close. Mm-hmm. When you look at the pictures of the two cars combined, there are definitely a lot of similarities. But there are some differences in the front wing and um, in, in the rear as well. But it really seems like Racing Point has copied Mercedes, which really is not a bad idea when you think about it. I
1: mean, if you're doing it right, why, you know, why follow somebody that's doing it wrong?
0: Yeah, like, why would you copy a Ferrari, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Like <laughs> So, I mean, I know a lot of people are unhappy about it, and we'll see if this Racing Point pace is legit, but it just seems like a smart move with all the money that they have mm-hmm. to just copy the team that has had the best design last year and the last couple of years. years. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that, that's the way to go. Um, they were the fourth best team in terms of most laps completed, so 782. So a pretty impressive haul there for Racing Point. In terms of lap times... Pretty impressive lap times for Racing Point as well. They had the fifth fastest time. They uh, scored in a 116.6, and it was a C3 tire, which is very important to note. So if you look at the drivers ahead of them um, and the teams ahead of them, they use the C5 and the C4 tires, whereas Racing Point put that tire in on the C3. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the big asterisk into all these numbers and lap times that we're talking about is we don't know fuel loads. We don't know engine modes. We don't know a lot of these things. So. Racing Point could have went out on very low fuel, high engine mode, and did it yeah. on c C3 tire ver- versus somebody like Mercedes, for example, on the C5, maybe went with a little bit more fuel in the tank. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a, a direct correlation with what we're going to see in qualifying in Melbourne, but it is definitely interesting that Racing Point was able to pretty much do some really good times on a much harder tire.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a good thing to see from them because after what they did two years ago in the 2018 season, it's kind of a fall off for them with a huge changeover from going from uh, Force India to Racing Point. So, big improvement sure. on their part. Yeah, well,
0: I think we're finally seeing that Lawrence Stroll money come come mm-hmm. into good hand. For sure. Um, yes. Yeah. It, they were disappointing last year, but I still think that they were going through a, a transition, whereas mm-hmm. this year Absolutely. that transition might be done and, and ready to go. So, Mm-hmm. Um, looks good for Racing Point. And when you look at a track side in some of the videos as well, I mean, it looks really good. The mm-hmm. car looks like it's on rails. looks very comfortable to drive, similar to the Mercedes. And Lance Stroll and, and Sergio Perez are certainly happy with it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think that Racing Point will be definitely be fighting for uh, the best of the rest spot there. Um, so, so they were really impressive for sure. And I, I think that next to Mercedes probably made the most headlines with, with their car design. For sure. So that was it on uh, racing points. Um, now another team that was quiet but was impressive was Red Bull and uh, your boy Max Verstappen. He did a lot of work in week one.
1: They weren't consistent.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were very consistent. Um, when we look at in terms of the amount of laps that they did, uh, let's just scroll down here. So team lap count, they had the fifth most lap. F- excuse me, the fifth most laps completed was seven hundred and eighty. Um, only two laps behind Racing Point. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of uh, little niggles and issues here and there. Um, Verstappen had quite a few spins in sector three, but I it really just attribute that to him pushing the car to the limits and finding the the arrow limit of the car. So you know, not too concerned about anything like that. That's but
1: exactly what testing's for, you know.
0: Well, that's yeah, it's exactly what it's it. Yeah. I mean, I saw some people were shitting on him and and Vettel too, like oh, spinning. It's like. That's testing, man. It's yeah,
1: that's what it's there for. You know, so you don't do that when it comes to actual race day. Race day, you're figuring out what's wrong with the car. What, how far can you take it to that yep. curb? You know, or how far you, can you take it around that corner? So
0: yeah, exactly. So I, I I see no problem with that. And once you find that limit, you just step back maybe a bit. Yeah. And then you stay within that. Um, so Verstappen did 168 laps on day one, which which was insane. Um, he was very sore really after the first opening <laughs> week. And I think that he was happy to split some of the days after with Alex Albon, um, did a lot less laps, of course, in week two, when they split it with Alex, because uh, I think after day one, they just said, okay, we're going to need to give this guy a bit of a break here. Yeah. Um, so he was testing a lot of the limits of the car. They did a lot of, uh, those keel probe sensors on the car. So they did a lot of arrow work. Um, but like we mentioned before, they put in a pretty fast time on that C4 tire they put in a one sixteen two on the last day of testing, and it was on the C four. So again, compared to Mercedes, for example, that set their best time on the C five. Same with Renault. Mm-hmm. So Red Bull, a couple of issues here and there, but overall, I think that they can be quietly confident heading into Australia. They look, they look pretty good.
1: Very, mm-hmm. I mean, <coughs> I. Like like I said, they look consistent throughout all of testing. So it's just gonna be come down to them figuring out exactly what they need to do. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And the Honda engine, pretty reliable. Not really too many issues. Mm-hmm. Um, good running for them. Uh, pace of the engine looks pretty good too. I think that they were fairly happy with that as well. And when we compare from their time last year to this year, so in two thousand and nineteen, in testing, their best time was a one seventeen zero nine one, set on the C five tire versus this year. Their best time was a one sixteen two set on the C4, so they're eight-tenths quicker than they were mm-hmm. last year, which is a great improvement, almost mm-hmm. a second faster, so it's good news for Red Bull, um, and you, you really kind of saw Max was was really leading the team there um, in, in terms of punching in laps, getting performance from the car. He, he was really the number one. Alex Albon was a little bit quieter. We didn't see him as much, but... Um, yeah, I think that Red Bull can be fairly happy with winter testing in 2018, and they seem like they're the second best team at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean the big thing for them is going to be uh, this year is going to be getting both cars over that finish line. I know they were better with that towards the end of season when Alex Albon got added to the team. So I think, uh, like you said, if with Max Verstappen kind of leading leading more of the team there, maybe Alex Albon has taken more of a step back to let him kind of handle that part of the car because I mean he's been there a little bit longer, has it a has a little more idea.
0: Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, just speaking on Max, it was today uh, that he was out at Zandvoort testing yes, the new track and uh, an older version of the Red Bull. It was the the V8 Red Bull, but he was he was pushing it a little bit out
1: there and mm-hmm. track. Good. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say track looks good. Yeah, no, it looks really well done. My cool thing was, I think they wet the entire track before they went on too, so he got to he got to take it out on his nice fresh tires. So basically, leaves a trail as soon as he goes, so where you can you can see exactly where he's taking turns and everything. I think he also it is also Jasper Stappin's birthday today as well. Oh no way! He got to he got to take it out on his dad's birthday. So oh nice, neat little gift. Happy birthday, Josh.
0: (laughs) Um, Exactly. Yeah, I was looking at the, the onboard, and it seems like the track won't be a whole lot of overtaking going on, but it seems like it's going to be really fun and qualifying.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fast track, and especially that the the, the bank corner there is going to be mm. really fun. Yeah. Um, it to be interesting to see if there are any overtakes because they're all going to be really fast overtakes.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> if Verstappen isn't on pole, there will be overtakes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that race. That's at the beginning of May. Um, might even actually be the season opener, <laughs> the way things are going the way now. Things are shaping up <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see. I mean, it'd be a pretty sweet season opener, but I, I hope not. I hope we get the the first uh, three races of the year so far at least. But uh, yeah, can't wait for the Dutch Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So. Max, uh, Max has been pretty busy uh, in the last couple of weeks doing all of that. Um, another winner that we have to mention, and, and this is an honorable mention as well, is Williams.
1: They probably look the most improved from last year, to be honest. Uh, much better than uh, showing up to a car, showing up, uh, sorry, not showing up. Oh, my God. i <laughs> just going to edit that part out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, It's good to show up with all parts of your car right on the first day of testing. It's good to show up with a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, think back to last year. They didn't make it out for the first two days. It was mm-hmm. a whole debacle going on, and drivers couldn't get out. And when they finally did, they really were just doing shakedowns mostly. Yeah. Um, but first car out on track this season in winter testing was Williams. And when you looked at you just talked about their improvement Last season um, to this season in terms of lap time, they're 1.2 seconds faster than they were last year, Mm -hmm. which is a fantastic improvement. Um, I mean, no other team has improved that much. Racing Point, the next team uh, that increased nine-tenths on their lap times from last season in testing, but nobody else has broken that one-second barrier. So for Williams, I mean, obviously as bad as the car was, the only really place they could go
1: was up. I mean, they really needed that boost uh, going into this season after uh, every, all the issues that they had with last season and, you know, the last few years in, in general. So it's a really big boost in them starting off this season. Um, and, you know, like we said, starting with, especially with a car at the beginning of testing and yeah. being able to finish and have both drivers both t- uh, test out the cars. So yeah.
0: yeah, and they completed more laps than Alfa Romeo and Haas, so they completed the seventh most laps with 737. Um, now, Alfa Romeo was close behind. was 735. But still, again, compared to last year, mm-hmm. they got a lot of running out. Nicholas Latifi did a lot of running out. Um, our boy, Nicholas Latifi, friend of the show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just see. Uh, I want to see how many laps that he did personally. Um, he did 300, 63.
1: Oh, 343.
0: 343, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an impressive haul. And uh, 160, which was on uh, day five. So he did a lot of rat laps.
1: That is quite a lot of laps.
0: And I mean, you know, he did have the engine issues, but still he was able to get out and put himself through the paces of that car this season, which for him is the most important because he's a rookie this season. Mm-hmm. I know that he spent a lot of time in free practice sessions, but it's a new car. Um, so the more time that he can get, the better. So um, yeah, Latifi looked pretty comfortable uh, in the car already. So very happy for Williams. Um, you know, We're going to be doing a, a team power rankings post-testing. And it's kind of interesting to see where Williams is going to fall in our list because I know a lot of people think that they're still going to be 10th, but I think that they're a lot closer than what they might show. Yep. And they could be fairly competitive, at least fighting for points finishes and Q2 appearances. And like I said, I mean, they only scored one point last year, so...
1: I think the big thing for them this season is going to be setting those qualifying times because you know, like we can see in some of their testing data, that they really have do can have the qualifying time to show up and compete with a lot of the other teams. Yeah. Um, so if they get that big, uh, if they get that good start at the uh, right at the start of the race, and you know the big thing for them last year was always starting in that ninetieth and twentieth position and not being able to compete with any of the drivers because they're already up ahead. So if right. they can uh, keep a little more of the drivers back when the the midfield would help them out uh, to get more points this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that's a good point, too. I mean, if if you can finally start a bit far higher up on the grid, it'll help you kind of score, score some of those points. So uh, I think they'll be decent this year. And mm-hmm. when you look at the long-run pace data, uh, this is on Formula One's website, so you guys can also check it out for yourselves. Um, Williams kind of slots in ahead of racing point alpha Romeo, and alpha Tower in terms of long run race pace. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, this is all data that you can't necessarily say this is exactly how it's going to be because they were set on different days. So, you know, they could have been set in the morning session. It could have been set on this day where there was cloud cover track temperatures different. So you can't take it. You have to take it with a grain of salt. But nonetheless, the pace is promising, again, comparing to last year when they were dead last almost in every mm-hmm. every scenario. Um, so they're ahead of Racing Point, Alfa Romeo and, and Alpha Tauri in terms of uh, in that long run race pace. And when you go down to the short run, so the more qualifying Sims, second from the bottom, so only ahead of Haas, so that might be a little bit more representative of the real race or qualifying pace that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that... Williams, to me, were, were one of the bigger winners of, of this season's testing.
1: Well, it's interesting to see because Haas is at the bottom of that list. And if you looked at that first, gra- uh, first graph that you showed, I think Haas is sitting at like third or fourth highest. So they're at the complete opposite end.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Haas is just behind Renault, and McLaren, and then the leaders, Mercedes in long run pace. So yeah. interesting, right? <laughs> it, it's all, you know, we're just reading this out because the information is there and, and we're going to give it to you if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, but you can't read into that and go okay this is these are the championship standings yeah. that we're gonna see like,
1: this is what's gonna end up happening at the end of the season yeah right? it's like no we're gonna see a lot of different uh like you said a lot of different variables t- that come into play absolutely uh, during testing so yeah and remember
0: a lot of these teams will be bringing melbourne upgrades too yeah. so they're not the final car that we saw in barcelona so
1: now did they did it rain on any of the testing days
0: it rained in the morning of, I believe, day five mm-hmm. or day six. Okay. Um, I know Alcon did some running on the intermediate tires, but it wasn't anything heavy.
1: Nothing heavy to try at the Strathmore rain, and we know as a big thing that uh, rain and a lot of um, hot weather that we saw last year during the races took a took a lot uh, took into play for a lot of these teams last year. So again, you know, like different variables that come into play. So yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, you know, testing is always. It's tough to read into to the times, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so then moving on to, to some of the losers of, of testing. And one that we have to kind of point out, which is a pretty obvious one, and, and not necessarily losers, but just sort of puzzling. And, and that's Ferrari. I think a lot of people were really confused and sort of puzzled by what Ferrari was doing in the t- six days of winter testing. First week, they really didn't stretch their legs in terms of putting on the softest tire and going out and setting any impressive times. They did complete the second most laps behind Mercedes, which is good, so reliability was fairly good. They had uh, one small issue with uh, Vettel's car, where he had to pull over. I I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what the issue was, but overall, they did get a lot of laps done. Again, second most out of anybody. Um, They had the fourth fastest time, which was on the C5 tire. It was a 16.3 on day six, so the final day of running, so... We really didn't get to see Ferrari kind of do a, a real quali sim until the last day. And even then, it, it's not really that impressive of a time when you consider Red Bull, for example, were on the C4 tire and they're you know only a tenth and a half or so off of them. Um, Renault is ahead of them in terms of that. Racing Point, when you look at that, they're only two, two tenths behind and on a C3 tire, right? So mm-hmm. we thought that Ferrari was kind of sandbagging a little bit. Ferrari saying that they're not sandbagging and that that's their true pace. But the problem is is that if that's their true pace, they seem like they're the third best team going into Australia.
1: It's it's a tough one to judge, right? Cuz you know, like we said at the start of the episode, it's hard to be uh, judge Ferrari at all because what we from what we saw last season and uh, I find Mercedes and I mean uh, Mercedes and Ferrari kind of do this thing where they try to say sand- both sandbag each other by saying it's like no Mercedes is doing better, <laughs> <Ferrari's> <laughs> doing better. So I think uh, Ferrari are maybe just trying to play them downplay themselves a little bit. Um, and we won't really see anything from them till the first race, um, and w- to see exactly where they are because I don't think they really showed what they have. Where I find Mercedes gave gave a glimpse of. Uh, gave a glimpse of what they're trying to do for this season
0: yeah and it didn't work last year right I mean they were first in testing they looked really really good and then they were terrible all year exactly mostly. Um, and this is the first time I think in four years that uh, a non-ferrari driver finished a top testing huh. so I think it was uh, Vettel the last two years and then Kimi Raikkonen the two years before that so maybe that's a good sign for Ferrari
1: that they didn't lead maybe testing this year. Maybe they're trying to stay in that midfield so nobody can really judge them. Right, so right. They can't have a bad or you know bad or a good season if they just stay in that midfield. They yeah, can get one or the other.
0: Maybe maybe it's a good timing with the coronavirus <laughs> in yeah. Italy. They don't have to go to the races at all. Yeah,
1: just like, yeah, it's
0: fine. <laughs> it's like that's the easiest way to not disappoint your fans is just don't even race. Yeah,
1: don't show up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so the good news for Ferrari, if there's a little bit that you can take, is that long run pace looked. Fairly good and mm-hmm. not too far off of Mercedes. Um, so that that's a bit of a positive. Now, engine power was a big, big topic because they seemed like they were running low engine modes all week long and really for the full six days of testing. But when they turned it up at around day five and six of the last test uh, in week two, they were significantly down on the speed traps mm. and, and even more so um, on the customer engines as well. And they were down from Honda and, and from Mercedes as well. Racing Point was extremely quick in that first sector. So this all ties into the news that broke today about the whole Ferrari engine saga, which we thought was done last year. But the FIA and Ferrari apparently reached this secret settlement on the whole engine question debacle thing from last season. And then I was just telling you that all teams except for Alfa Romeo and Haas basically put out a joint statement that said, like, we're going to fight this and we're going to look to even get legal action involved uh, and to find out what the hell's going on. (laughs) So, the drama, we got plenty of drama already. There's
1: plenty of drama. I, and I think what makes it worse is the fact that Alfa Romeo and Haas don't say anything. Oh, yeah. The fact that they are, you know, Ferrari engines, in for, they are using Ferrari engines. If maybe one of them had stepped up a little bit and said anything, you know, it would have been, you know, maybe Ferrari's just kind of on their own. But it just yeah. looks a little suspicious when it's it's both the Ferrari manufacturers not, not saying a single word during the situation. So, we'll, we'll see what comes out of it.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty amazing that seven teams got together and actually agreed on something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely not over yet. And and the whole issue is, is that nobody knows what happened, like whether the engine was illegal, whether that whole fuel flow system that the Ferrari was using, was it within the regulation? Nobody knows. And people were pretty upset when the news was dropped on them, basically in like the last 10 minutes of testing when everybody was getting ready to pack up and go home. So, um, yeah, this is pretty big, big news coming today from these teams. Um. So it's very rare in F one to see that many teams come together and mm-hmm. agree on something. So it's far from over. And and if Ferrari really are down on engine power, then the the car seems a lot more draggy this year. They've improved the slow speed corners. Obviously, that was one of the big issues last year. When you look at the GPS traces, they have made some improvements in the low speed corners, but the car still seems like it's struggling. Yeah, and it doesn't look as good as the Mercedes. Quite frankly, it didn't even look as good as the Racing Point in certain corners. Um, And I know some people were even making crazy assumptions that the Racing Point would even be ahead of Ferrari.
1: Uh, It's a big one. That's a stretch, right? Like It's not just me. That's a big one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I don't believe that at all. I I think that Racing Point has a good car. They've got a lot of money now, but I don't think that they can compete with Ferrari just yet. Um, But who knows? Hopefully, there's surprises.
1: Renault and McLaren have been trying it for years. Like, come on. Yeah can't just be expe- expected in your second year to to be competing with Ferrari that quick
0: yeah <laughs> unless Ferrari is that bad which is totally a possibility
1: <laughs> we don't know
0: yeah but I, so I don't know. think I don't think it'll happen so winter testing in 2020 for Ferrari w- was quite strange and I'm curious to know what uh, what you guys think about it as well because it's just really difficult to read where they're at because mm-hmm. again like you said they they sandbag the teams the top teams generally do this. And maybe they'll come out in Australia with a super fast car and win the first couple of races. Who knows? But it doesn't look that promising for them just because like Red Bull, for example, didn't top the timesheets, but they showed glimpses. Yeah. And I don't really think that Ferrari necessarily showed glimpses of their true pace. And the drivers kind of seemed a little bit down at times, and they sort of seemed like they already knew that they're on the back foot. And then Mercedes comes out with that dash system, and then you're just like, Jesus.
1: Well, I think that one of the big things is with Ferrari is I mean I'm just kind of guessing on here, but if you look at all the lap times for the day six, Charles Leclerc is doing 181 laps on the last day compared to you know Carlos Sainz and a couple of the other drivers are doing almost 20 less than him. Mm-hmm. So are they still trying to figure out some of their scenarios on that last day, doing the most amount of laps as they can with uh, just the one driver, or? I think
0: the last day they're doing two race simulations if i'm not mistaken. i know i was watching one of them um he was doing a race sim on that um and yeah there there might still be i think week one they were doing a lot of that just trying to figure out the whole aero setup and Mm -hmm. and how they're going to set up the car but leclerc was doing a lot of race simulations on that last day and like i said that looks a little bit more promising it looks like they've made an improvement there Mm -hmm. from last season but the, that's the problem, is that even if they have made an improvement, Mercedes have made an improvement. Yeah, it seems like Red Bull have made an improvement. So, if I had to put some money on it and, and go out on a limb, I'd probably say Ferrari right now, third best car.
1: And I would agree with you there, because I, th- I, I know we said last year at the beginning of the season that you know, for Red Bull, it was going to be a big year for them with getting the new Honda engine, working out all the issues that they have, and w- working with this new manufacturer. It kind of looked like towards the end of the season, they were fig- they had kind of figured that out. So, um, basically, it was just f- figuring out the little small details that they had going into this season with yeah. the Honda engine and their, uh, their, uh, their 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 aero. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Third best is probably what we might be seeing for Ferrari this year.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Um, and, and again, the whole thing with the engine issue, um, whether they're even going to get to Australia, uh, we'll get to more of that in uh, in the preview in the, in the next week um, as the kind of news develops, and we'll see where that goes. But yeah, it's it might be another head-scratching year again for Ferrari. Mm-hmm. So a tough one. Um, so just a couple more points uh, before we wrap up uh, this winners and losers edition of the winter testing in 2020. Um, A team that sort of disappointed me just a little bit uh, was AlphaTauri. I thought that they'd be a little bit more stronger in that midfield battle. They seemed like they were just kind of struggling to find the sweet spot in the car and testing. Um, I still think that they're going to be in with a shot at being best of the rest for this season. But I just think that they were going to be a little bit more impressive in testing. And they only had the eighth fastest time. Um, and, And in terms of lap count... They had the sixth most laps completed with 769. So I thought Alpha AlphaTauri would be a little bit more impressive, but maybe they're doing a little bit of, not necessarily sandbagging, but they're just kind of holding a couple extra tents in their pocket. And they're just sort of trying out uh, the, the new bits on the car for this season. But I think the midfield is going to be super, super close this year. And again, the caveat to that is Alpha AlphaTauri did set their fastest time on the C3 tire. So they didn't do a whole lot of performance runs either. Um, so slightly disappointing because they didn't make as much noise as, say, let's say Racing Point, but not, not necessarily a bad thing, really.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing with AlphaTori is we would kind of expected a big improvement from them after last year with how everything was going with them with Daniel Kiviet and Pierre Gassi both getting a podium with how Alex Albon was performing before he moved up. Uh, to see them kind of below the midfield area is kind of a surprise for me this year as well would have seen them expecting them a little bit higher up with how with their performances last year to be setting a little bit more of that pace but i think like you said like they're not really it didn't seem like they were going more for the performance more for how you know how long they can go rather than how uh they're qualifying to how, how best oh my god how they're gonna set their qualifying times
0: yeah agreed they um like i said that c3 tire uh used for to set their best lap time on the last day so Um, again, a couple issues with them too. They, they had to spend some time in in the garage, um, on a couple of those days. Um, so again, not as impressive as the other midfield, like racing point and McLaren, but still, I I do think that they're gonna be up there because last year they were very strong. They were very competitive and, and this year too, they should be up there. So I hope that they didn't take a step back and that they were just, like you said, testing different things during testing, um, versus like somebody like Alfa Romeo, for example, for me. Um, disappointed in, in testing a little bit. Um, only the ninth fastest time, only ahead of Haas. Um, and in terms of team lap count, uh, second fewest laps, too, at 735. And they did a lot of sort of split days, too. They had Kubica out in the car on the first day. Um, and he actually set a pretty decently fast time, a one sixteen nine on day four. Um, so Alfa Romeo, slightly disappointing there. They looked really strong last year in testing, and then they kind of faltered throughout the season. So we'll see where they rank this year. So um, Haas, another team, too, that that had a, a tough winter testing. Um, the long-run pace actually looked pretty decent. Um, I know Kevin Magnussen had some issues. They, they had a right rear puncture. And then uh, Grosjean had a spin, hit the wall. So they, they had a couple of those issues, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> no comment. I could just imagine Gunter Steiner. Yeah. We'll, we'll actually get to that at the end. We'll do a yeah. little drive-to-survive talk uh, at the end of the show. But um, yeah, so they didn't get a lot of laps out on the board. Like Williams got more laps than Haas and Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri as well. And then they had the slowest lap time of all the teams so far. So very difficult winter testing for Haas. But they do have some promising signs in terms of the long run pace What from what the data is showing us. And and we, we know that's where they struggled the most. One lap pace lap last year, they were actually pretty decent. But when it came to the race, all they could do was just go backwards in the places.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what they're doing there. <laughs> I, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> like, I just. I'm not sure. <laughs> they they look so good in the 2018 season. And we were expecting a big improvement. It just kind of seems like it just, it's just gone down.
0: Yeah, it really has. And it's disappointing. And like you guys, if you saw Drive to Survive and some articles that came out after too, like Gene Haas is thinking that he might pull the plug on this whole Haas yeah. F1 deal. And, you know, he said it too, if if the, the start of this season doesn't look good, and they keep struggling, then he's not going to want to waste all that money.
1: Yeah, with new rules coming into play, if they're already struggling with what's going on right now, how much money is he going to want to put into a brand, you know, going into a brand new set of rules, brand new aerodynamics into 20, the 2021 season, so.
0: Yep, and, and the other thing too is like when they came into the season, they sort of found that loophole of getting the parts off the shelf from Ferrari and different things like that, but. With new regulations, do you necessarily want to do that? Because what if Ferrari just gets the whole project wrong and now you're stuck with bits that don't work? And then, you know, it just the whole Haas business model. It's a little bit tough for them because they do have to take some parts uh, from others as well. So I'm not sure. I hope that they stay in the sport, but it, it they're going to have another tough year again. Like, let's say if Williams passes them, boy, I don't see them staying in the sport for much longer.
1: No, Gene Haas is definitely going to want to pull the plug.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, I think we covered, for the most part, all the teams. Um, McLaren and Renault, I think, were the only two other teams that we haven't really talked about. And Renault actually had a really positive winter testing. And when I looked at the data uh, provided on One.com, they actually provided this interesting uh, little graph here. And, and this basically, the graph shows the percentage difference in long-run pacing and testing compared to the 2019 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Now, Mister Mercedes being the reference to this graph, again, they're kind of stretching it here in terms of comparisons, right? Like, completely different yeah. uh, track settings and everything like that. But Renault actually had the most improvement with 2.9% increase, um, McLaren being the second. And every other, every other team sort of stayed either s- stagnant or decreased a little bit. So um, Renault was actually, looked fairly decent um, in winter testing. I'm still not sold on them 100%. I'd like to see them after five or six races where they land in the midfield. But I think that Renault overall had a pretty positive winter testing. They set some pretty fast lap times with Daniel Ricciardo. Um, he had the second fastest lap time. He set a, or sorry, excuse me, the third fastest lap time, 1162 on the C5 tire, which was on the final day. And uh, Renault was also able to complete um, 743 laps. So they're a little bit farther down on the field um, in terms of lap count. But overall, I think that they had a a relatively worry-free testing. Um, We had Ricardo pull over on, uh, I think, day three of uh, week two. But it wasn't any major issue for Renault in in terms of that. So I think overall, like, a pretty decent testing for them. And I think that they might be able to get a a pretty good car this year from what it looks like. And uh, McLaren, on the other hand, to me, probably one of their best winter testing in, like, six, seven years or so. Mm Mm-hmm. We know McLaren uh, in in winter testing has really struggled the last couple of years, but this year, third most laps completed, 802, and I think that they did a lot more long run in terms of performance runs. Um, I mean, they only had the sixth fastest time. It was a 116.8 set on the final day, again, C4 tire, so keep that in mind, but I think that they focused a lot more just on setup of the car, race pace in terms of that one lap pace, Um, but I'm really excited for McLaren this year. I think in my opinion, we'll get more into this in the preview. They have the fourth best car on the grid. And I think that they're going to be a really strong team this year, building on a really good 2019. Um, but I think that for them, they had a really good winter testing, a lot of laps, relatively worry-free. And I think they're in a good position heading into Australia.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally see why they're focusing more on the long lunch. Launch- oh my God, I can't talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is not a Monday either, folks. It's...
1: <laughs> yeah, It's just not happening this is uh i had one of those early mornings but anyway yeah i get what uh, you're saying though <laughs> i got you uh but yeah they're focusing more on how making to the end of the race cuz from from what we saw last year that was a big thing for them uh throughout the season you know where they a uh, one car would struggle with keeping up with the rest of the cars or you know they would have an issue like Landon norris did towards the end of the race where they just couldn't quite get it over the finish line uh but they would be performing all race so uh, yeah. i think that that, that's that's probably what they focused on a little bit more this year because what we saw from McLaren that they definitely had the pace last year and they just needed a, a little bit more improvement on that, but it was definitely their performance of the car overall that they were probably looking into.
0: Yep, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that about does it for for all the teams and just a, a simple but short breakdown of some of the numbers behind winter testing. Like we said many times in this podcast, don't take the lap times for, for count. I think some of the more interesting things is sort of looking at total lap count and what tires were set on, but we don't know a lot of the things, right, with uh, different fuel levels Mm -hmm. and engine modes and all that type of stuff. So we could see some big surprises in Australia. Hopefully we do. But to summarize, basically, I just think that Mercedes really are the team to beat again this season. And until proven otherwise, I think that they are the favorites again for the championship. It seems like Red Bull have made a step forward from 2019, which is a positive for them. I think that they've got a couple of tricks up their sleeve that they haven't shown yet. So I think that it could be so far a battle between Mercedes and Red Bull. And then you've got some of these other surprise stories like Racing Point. You know, how competitive can they be? Will they be able to fight for podiums? Can Renault get up there, fight for podiums?
1: I think the midfield will be probably the tightest we've seen in the last few years, to be honest. Agreed. Uh, You know, a few years ago, it was kind of just uh, Haas and Racing Point towards the end. Last year, it was just McLaren and it. Um, so I think this year, between McLaren, Renault, um, what we saw from uh, Racing Point, it's it's going to be Alpha Male. Alpha like, you got to take everybody into the mix here, and especially with how Williams is performing, it's going to be a really big, tight midfield, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that should be really exciting this year, just like it was last year. So should be fun. So that basically puts a wrap on the winter testing recap. We're pretty much only about a week away from... From the first race of the season, yeah. if it happens, <laughs> that's obviously not too sure yet. No, yes, yeah. really <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like it will happen. Uh, maybe with some alterations and things like that. But we'll we'll stay up to date on that. Um, I guess we could just close out this uh, podcast and not not a full review, but just some thoughts and comments about uh, Netflix's Drive to Survive season two. Uh, full disclosure: I have not watched the entire series just yet. Um, I didn't want to binge watch it because I kind of wanted to. Enjoy it over a longer period of time, but uh, I think I'm about four or five episodes in. I know you've watched all of it or most of it?
1: I have watched all of all it. All of it, okay. So. I definitely benched through it, but... Don't try to savor it. Okay. Because <laughs> in my opinion, I thought it was season two was not as well done as season one. Um, I think in season one, we saw a lot of really interesting storylines a lot of storylines that kind of played into effect going into last season um and i find this season they didn't cover it quite as well i'm trying to do it without giving away any spoilers
0: yeah i mean it's fine it's it's all out there anyway um
1: but yeah i'm it's there's just a lot of stories that i wish that they did cover you know like the whole charl versus max uh versus max really um race last year um They did a lot. They did like maybe I want to say three episodes, maybe three and a half episodes on like Red Bull, which I mean I know was a huge point last year, but still there was just a lot of other teams they could cover could have covered. Lando Norris really didn't get any coverage at all, (laughs) just like the scenes that Signs was in. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, there's yeah, like a lot. Just wasn't as good. Yeah. It wasn't what, you know, when I watched the first season, it kind of blew my mind of, you know, what goes on behind the scenes of F1 and, you know, how these players that acted day-to-day and, I don't know, felt not as like, it felt like everybody knew that they were there this year and they were trying to keep on their best behavior.
0: Not, yes. Yeah, that's true. Not
1: Gunter Steiner. He does not.
0: Give oh, a, he doesn't does give not, a fuck. He does not
1: In care. his own words, not mine, his <laughs> words. He, he does not care. <laughs> at all
0: that was by far my favorite i don't think anything will top that episode did for you me. get
1: to the part where he's uh where he's talking to total wolf and like and just walking to oh yeah like, wa- walking to like the press conference and he's like you could speak to me in german and he's like i know he's like i know you have an american wife or something yeah like, yeah like, man, he's thinking of that far but yeah he's uh
0: well and, and also remember when they like got to the press conference total was like how do, how do i put this on and he's like You've been doing how many of these? You know how to put that on? <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a great episode, and apparently they left out a lot more stuff. Like Magnuson was saying, like like it actually got worse than that.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, like
0: you know, he smashed the door and everything like that. But apparently there was like worse stuff that they didn't include. So I think they probably could have done. See, again, that was a great episode. We got a lot of great behind the scenes, and that was engineering I mean, meetings. There were
1: parts here and there that were really well done. Yeah, I just, there's a lot I felt that, that was left out. And they should have made the episodes longer. They should yes. have made the series, like, maybe with a couple more episodes. And I think me and you were saying, like, they could have done maybe 15 episodes. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, you kind of missed out. Um, and a lot of stuff that they could have condensed. Um, I know you were complaining a lot about the editing of this season. We're going, like, seven races in. And then, you know, we're going back to the first race of the year. You know, Right. It's, it's just, just strange. Um, they didn't cover the whole... Fa- Part that Charles Leclerc could have gotten his first podium like three or four times at the beginning of the season, and then you had to wait till Italy to actually get it. Yeah, so, that's a good.
0: That's another one too. I didn't think of. I I know I told you like the whole Vettel like they were in Canada for Montreal. They were yeah. at the race and they didn't cover the whole Vettel Hamilton thing. And,
1: and they, yeah, like they covered Renault. Like Renault was their main storyline for Montreal. Like there was so many like like I I get their point of view that they're trying to make the series more to attract people to watch F1, but there's people who already watch F1 that want to watch the series, you know, like they don't need to be shown all this stuff that wasn't as huge. I want to know more about this, you know, like the Montreal incident. I want to know the whole Charlotte and Max rivalry thing. Like yeah. how that started off and where it's going. Um, Bianca Huber Hubert episode was really well done. We you know, talked about it. It was a really nice little uh, tip of the hat to give, as well as the whole Nikki Lauda episode. Yeah. That was well done as well. Um, so it has bright moments, but just overall, it wasn't as good as season one, if you compare directly to that.
0: Yeah, it almost seemed like they just kind of threw everything together. They just didn't have as much yeah. time or... They didn't really have any clear direction on where they wanted to go with the episodes, but. Yeah,
1: like, it almost, I, I mentioned this earlier, but it almost felt like they were just trying, they were trying to be funny by adding in little clips here and there. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> um, the whole, everybody's seen it online with the whole Daniel Ricardo thing. Um, Like, you know, Mercedes forgetting their name at least four or five times. It's like, it's. They just try to add little things to try to be a little bit more funny, but they could have taken that away and given more time to the actual storyline. Yeah. You know, like that's what I care about more. I understand they're trying to make these people seem more lighthearted, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's a really serious sport. Uh, but yeah.
0: Yeah. They missed a lot of, of big things. And like, remember in season one, they did a great episode on Ricardo winning in Monaco mm-hmm. and the way they sort of built that dramatic moment. Yeah. They could have done that for like, again, for the, the Canada incident they showed Max versus Charles in, in Austria, but they just built it up so poorly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's the thing is I understand that you're making it for fans who've never watched it. But if you're a fan who's never watched the sport, what better way than to show the racing? And we had a lot of great racing last year, but they didn't really showcase any of that stuff. No. like They could have built up. And again, that Max win in Austria was phenomenal. Um, The battle between him and Charles in uh, in Silverstone was amazing. Yep. So they could have done, like you said, a whole episode just on that, of that rivalry. And we talked about this before as well, too. All the young drivers, you could dedicate an episode to Lando and George and Albon and, and Charles and Max and incorporate that all into an episode and say, like, hey, look, this is the future of our sport. So better start watching now because this is the the peak time for this stuff. So yeah.
1: You know, if you want to get into the sport, this is kind of the time. Like, like you said, all these young drivers coming in, they're going to be driving, you know, hopefully for the next 10 to 15 years of their life, you know, like they're going to be spending their time in the sport, you know, in other other motorsports as well. So these are the people you're going to be seeing week in and week out racing. So it's, it's, it's a great series. It's a really good idea, but it's just season two, I just thought wasn't done quite as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and from all, all aspects, you know, and when Tyler gets back, we'll, we'll ask him what he thought as well. But, yeah, I just thought the edit, the editing was, I'll be quite honest, was sloppy. From, yeah. from Netflix, like, I mean, I, I edit stuff like this at, at work for, for what I do for work, and, you know, I, I kind of don't make those mistakes, and, you know, we're not doing the same type of work as they are, right? Yeah, so, sure. I mean, they've got multiple editors and, and reviewing and all that type of stuff, and they've, like, they miss subtitles, they misspell things on subtitles, I just told you before, like the engine noises were out of sync, but like completely, it wasn't even close. I know a lot of people complain in season one, they put like V8, V10 sounds in. Yeah. And, you know, I understood it. It wasn't a big deal for me, but this year they just like completely mixed things the wrong way. And they got a bad habit of putting in like team radio when it doesn't actually happen, which I don't think is fair. Because like we as fans who watch like the best of team radios and stuff, we know what time those radio messages were. And they're putting it in at like races where you know it didn't happen, or like points in the race where it never would have happened. Like they put, I think, in one episode, like Max when he won the race and he says like, "Yes, boys, come on" or something like that. And they put it in at like early in the race or something like that, and it just doesn't fit. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure, there's a little bit of that. uh, You know, they're trying to pull a fast one on us, but I don't know. It just sort of felt like that's how you edit a vlog. Almost, (laughs) it just felt like an internet. YouTube vlog that just like I got all these clips, yeah. I'm gonna throw them together. Here you go. So I just expected more from Netflix.
1: Yeah, like, and I also just don't get like why make it ten episodes and you know thirty five minutes each. You know the the amount of content that these guys probably record all year is probably insane. Like they probably have like terabytes on terabytes of footage, no doubt. And they're recording in full four K, like doing all this. So like it's a lot of fun. There's probably not even terabytes. It's probably up there, like they could probably make a solid 45 minute episodes like per episode make them 13 to 15 episodes long they would they could cover the entire season and do it in a way that goes you know race by race and covers each storyline and make it like a mini docu series you know yeah. or i guess like a full docu series because it wouldn't be six episodes long but
0: right yeah it, and again it, it's just i understand that for the generic fans certain details won't matter and you have to leave it out and stuff like that yeah but when you look at last year, and I told you this too, like they spent way too much time on that first episode just situated on one race in Australia. Yeah. And they did that in season one. And season one, episode one, was a great intro to, to the mm. fans. That was really well done. But season two, I don't think that that's necessary. So you could have covered the first six races of the year all in one episode because nothing really happened. Yeah. It was really only in Canada when everything started to get dramatic and it started to get really, really great. So... To me, they really struggled in direction in terms of, like, where do we want to go with this? Yeah. And I think that they need to... If they're going to do another season, and if they're going to continue this, they have to find a balance of the drama off track. So, for example, the Pierre Gasly thing, Gunter Steiner and Haas and the sponsors. Yeah. But they also have to mix in the on-track drama, because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. The battle for the championship, the the hard wheel-to-wheel racing, like, that's what's going to really attract... People who aren't fans of the sport, and then it's also what we want to see as fans of the sport.
1: Lewis Hamilton won his sixth championship, and it was like a five second clip that they showed.
0: <laughs> I haven't gotten that far, but I'm not surprised. Like,
1: yeah, like it was. I was surprised. I was like, like he's about to, you know, he's about to set a record for the most amount of championships yeah. M- Michael Schumacher, and it's just the I don't know. There was just, yeah. yeah.
0: And at the end of the day, this is Formula One racing. Like, this isn't the real Housewives of Formula One. Like, we don't... Again, like, we want to see the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. And if this was a hardcore F1 fan documentary, the whole episode would just be, like, engineering briefings, all that type of stuff that we want to see, right? I understand we can't put that much into the generic fans because people who don't watch F1 don't care about car understeering here or this tire didn't work there. They don't care about that stuff. But, again, at the end of the day, yeah, like to not be able to build something like that up, a record six world championship. And you had access to Mercedes and Ferrari this year. You could have interviewed Vettel and Hamilton about the Canada thing.
1: Actually, the best thing that came out of that whole Mercedes thing is in the very lap, I think the last two episodes or so. Maybe it was like, I don't know. One of the episodes, they basically have the one like 30 second clip they show of Valtteri Bottas is uh, how does it feel to lose a Lewis Hamilton every week? He's like, it sucks. It's basically stabbing a knife in my heart every oh, single yeah. time. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the that. The one clip I show him, like, how do you guys let like let this man down in your <laughs> documentary as well? If yeah. you're not going to show him during the races, yeah. So yeah, I felt that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. No.
0: Well, and that's the problem, too, is when you edit things like this, certain people get made to look like villains. Yeah. You know, like, I never knew there was a Carlos Sainz-Daniel Ricardo rivalry
1: until Drive to Survive. I had no idea. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, was this actually, like, are we we late on this?
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like, did we miss something? (laughs) Um, Wow, we missed the battle for ninth place.
1: Yeah, like, I, yeah, it was, there's just a lot of things that weren't quite there that they kind of tried to make it out to be. Um, like the whole Nico Hulkenberg thing—that it's gonna be a last season F one was, was really nice and it was well done, but it was just a little bit drawn out. <laughs> like, they didn't do that for any other drivers the season beforehand. Like Marcus Ericsson left, like Marcus Alonso was gone. They didn't do anything for that. Fernando. Fight. Yeah. For, oh my god, I did it again. It's funny because it was one of our bloopers from know, last year. I did it again. Uh, it's because Chelsea beat Liverpool. <laughs> right just throw that in <laughs> for the UK viewers. Yeah. yeah. So you guys know I am a Man United fan. Right, so right. It's a big deal for me. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, like it was it was well done, but it was underwhelming. Matter. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, you know, they spent a couple of episodes that they gave to, you know, Red Bull and that whole Daniel Ricardo and Carlos Sainz thing where I just felt like they should have given uh, to more, you know, the people that kind of deserve it, that don't get it. Like, Racing Point wasn't covered at all this season.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of teams were left out. And again, like, we don't know how much pull the teams have in terms of, like, ah, don't show this, you know, don't show that, or the sponsors step in and say, hey, we want to be seen more. Uh, you know, I don't know. That that might be part of it too.
1: I feel like if that was the case, Haas would have stepped in and said something about what it was shown <laughs> about about them.
0: Well, I wish they would have shown more of the rich energy thing. Maybe they couldn't, but yeah. that would have been more more fun. Yeah, to focus the rich
1: at. energy thing was kind of just glanced over. They made it like made it less of a big deal than it was. Yeah. you know, also it was half the season last year. So
0: yeah, so I mean, let us know what you guys thought of season two of Drifters Vive. If you've seen the whole series or only a couple episodes. Um, again, like you know, you always still enjoy watching F1 content like that, but it just it fell flat of expectations for us personally and, and from what it was in season one. So, curious to know what you guys think. So, uh, drop us a comment down below in the video. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for uh, for this episode. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. So, again, check the description or for the links in below to the co- promo codes for GPBox.com. And of course, we're going to be posting out on Twitter and all of our social media channels as long as our website on the details of the giveaway that's going to be coming up uh, in pretty much the next week, really, before the first race of the season. Um, We've also launched our F1 Fantasy League for 2020. So all that information is in our links below. It's also on our Twitter, so you can find out all that. So make your team join in our league, and you'll be able to win some awesome prizes at the end of the season. Um, The deadline to enter for that will be before the Bahrainian Grand Prix. So you have about three or four weeks or so to get all of that info in. But uh, I think other than that, that about does it it for us yeah Yeah. so next week we'll be coming with the season preview for 2020 and then the first race of the season fingers crossed we'll go ahead but yeah we'll see what happens we'll stay up to date with what the news is out of Australia whether the race will go on or not but regardless we're going to do a season preview either way and we'll be ready to go
1: yeah we'll just you know you can watch the season preview every week (laughs) yeah Yeah, until the race (laughs) until the season starts in May until the season does actually start it will be the same thing probably yeah if it ever starts (laughs) So,
0: yeah, that should be fun. Well, all right, thanks for joining us again for another episode, guys, and we'll see you soon. Take care.